Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Christmas at the Movies sermon series. This series uses some of our favorite Christmas movies to gain a deeper understanding of Christmas. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Well, welcome to week three of Christmas at the Movies. We're glad you're here. You know, the reality is this. As we prepare for Christmas, as we, as we prepare our celebrations, I suspect some of us uh, either intentionally or unintentionally happen upon a Christmas movie that sort of becomes something that we look forward to every year. And the reality is those movies have some truths about our lives, but they also have some truths that Scripture can speak into from the ultimate truth of God's word. So today we're gonna look at a movie that's probably one of my favorites, at least modern movies. It's the movie Elf. And if you don't know the story, uh, it centers around uh, a person named Buddy. He's human, but he was adopted by elves, and so he was raised to be an elf. And he struggles to understand his own identity. Early on in the movie, you see him at school learning to be an elf. So that's where we catch up with them right now. Now, before we learn how to build the latest in extreme graphic chipset processors, let's recite the code of the elves, shall we? Number one. Treat every day like Christmas. Number two. There's room for everyone on the nice list. Number three. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. So I think you can tell from that that uh, he's obviously a human in size compared to the elves. Uh, But here's what happens. Buddy eventually learns that he's human, and and so he heads to New York City to discover, to meet his biological father. Uh, Along the way, he stumbles into a department store. It's Christmas season, and and so they have a North Pole where uh, Santa's going to come. And because he dresses like an elf... The manager of the store thinks he's one of his employees, and let's see what happens. I'm just trying to get through the holidays. Get through? Christmas is the greatest day in the whole wide world! Please stop talking to me. Uh-oh. Sounds like someone needs to sing a Christmas carol. No way. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Thanks, but I don't sing. Oh, it's easy. It's just like talking, except louder and longer, and you move your voice up and down. I can sing, but I just choose not to sing. Especially in front of other people. Well, if you sing alone, you can sing in front of other people. There's no difference. Actually, there's a big difference. No, no, there isn't. Wait. I'm singing. I'm in a store. I'm singing. I'm in a store. And I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. See? <laughs> you know, probably one of the things I love about that movie is the innocence of Buddy. Um, in his search for his identity, he sees joy in everything in life, despite how challenging life gets, despite how painful life gets for him. And you get a hint of that when he tells his fellow employee that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. You see, Buddy hasn't realized yet that part of his identity 
is wrapped up in believing what he's been taught, and that's the code of elves, uh, the values that he was raised to live by. Now, I don't want you to confuse Buddy's positive outlook with optimism because Buddy truly believes in the core of his being that there is good news to share about Christmas, and he wants everybody to know. Interesting, isn't it? Sounds uh, like what uh, we as Christ followers who identify ourselves as Christ followers are supposed to do. As Christ followers, we've been given the very best news in all the world. That news is that God loves the world so much that he sent his son Jesus. And if we believe in him, if we follow him, we receive forgiveness. We are given the gift of eternal life. And scripture tells us that when we believe in him and receive him, we become children of God. In other words, our identity is that we're sons and daughters of God and that we're promised eternity in heaven. That's the best news in all the world. That's the kind of news that, that lasts forever. And it's news that is for everyone. But let me ask you a question. How do you share the good news in a world that is so filled with bad news? You think about that. We're living under the constant threat of a nuclear war with North Korea. In recent months, we've seen four category three hurricanes hit our nation and people are still struggling to put their lives back together afterwards. We've experienced two of the largest mass shootings in our nation's recent history. Um, there's an opioid crisis in our nation that's taking people's lives every day. Uh, racial unrest continues in our country it seems like every day that we learn how wide and far spread the uh, sexual abuse of women is in our nation. And those are just the headlines. You know, there's a whole other bunch of bad news that we've honestly become deaf to, that it's just in the constant news cycle. So how do you share good news in a world that's so filled with bad news? Maybe the best way for us to get into this is, is sort of look at when Jesus came and ask ourselves this question, what kind of world was Jesus born into? What was it like in the, in the first century of Israel? Was it a good news place or a bad news place? Well, judge for yourself. Uh, politically speaking, uh, Jesus was born in, into a time that was probably uh, politically as stressful as it is now in the world. Uh, you need to know that uh, Israel was part of the Roman Empire, not by choice. Uh, they were occupied by Rome. Uh, the Roman emperor had inserted a, a Roman governor and Roman troops to keep the peace in Israel. And so uh, in Israel, there was this kind of weird relationship where you had a, a, a Roman governor that was in place who worked with the king of, of Israel, King Herod. King Herod was uh, in this place where he personally was very uh, much uh, somebody who wanted to serve his own power and his own desires. And so he worked to placate the Roman government and keep the peace with them while trying to keep the peace with the religious leaders of Israel. And he was really only out for his own welfare. And so the people suffered. That's politically speaking. 
You know, uh, economically speaking, it, it was very challenging. There was a huge gap between the upper class and the lower class, and there really wasn't much of a middle class because the middle class would suffer just as much as the lower class. So it really wasn't good economically and spiritually. Spiritually, it was also uh, really a, a bad news place because while God had created uh, this relationship with Israel as their chosen people, somewhere along the way, Israel had lost the focus on being in this kind of personal love relationship with God to making it a religious activity that one could follow. You see, there were 613 laws in Judaism, and it was very easy to, to say, all right, let's do this, and let's don't do that, all right? And just sort of make that the focus of what it means to be a Jew, uh, all right? If you, if you do this, that's good. If you, if you break that rule, then, you know, here's what you have to do to, to get forgiveness. You have to go to the temple and make sacrifices. And, and so it really became a religion, of do's and don'ts, of going through the motions, of this is what it means to keep God happy. So, so spiritually, it was a very dry place. It wasn't what God had desired for that relationship to be with Israel. So, you know, there, there was the fact that it was a bad news world. So that was the world in which Jesus was born into. Now, the night that Jesus was born, obviously, we celebrate that that was good news. So let's look at the scriptures that, that tell us that. So we're going to turn to Luke chapter 2. If you want to follow along with your Bible, your can, we'll be looking at verses 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. So the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, to me, it's, it's a little uh, ironic that the announcement of the king of Israel was made to shepherds. Because you need to know that in that time and place and world that that shepherds were really at the bottom of society they they were at the at the lowest ranks you know here's just an interesting insight you know as shepherds were outsiders even within judaism because of how they lived and what their occupation was the other people who figured out that messiah was going to be born were the wise men they too were outsiders those who figured out 
that Jesus was going to be born were outsiders. God invites us all as outsiders to come in to be a part of his family. But, but let me just share this with about, about the shepherds because the shepherds were really at, at, at the bottom of the social strata. They were people who had difficulty, even though they were raised to be faithful Hebrew people, they had difficulty keeping uh, Judaism as a faith because they spent so much time with their animals. Uh, living with their animals and helping the animals through their needs really made them unclean and to keep up the purification rites were, were really impossible for them. To uh, attend uh, the festivals and things was something that was also difficult because they had to be with their animals and take care of them. And, and, and so, you know, spiritually they, they were outcast. Socially they were outcast, again, because they spent time with the animals. They, they just uh, were at the bottom of the social strata. You know, politically they were powerless. And it was to these people that the birth of Jesus was announced. They were impoverished. They were religiously unobservant and they were politically powerless but the announcement of the birth of the Messiah gave them hope it meant hope because regardless of their political economic or religious standing with anybody they knew that they were children of God they were sons and daughters of God their hope came out of that identity They had hope for an end to the oppression of what was happening politically. They had hope that God heard their prayers and that he loved them as children. They had hope for a better life. And it was that hope that propelled them to go forth and see this baby that was born to be the savior of the world. And it was that hope that propelled them, motivated them, to share the good news that had been announced to them into this bad news world that they lived in. I want us to look at this event and and other scriptures and how you and I, as God's kids, as God's sons and daughters, can share the good news in a bad news world. Here's the first thing that you and I need to recognize. Let the creation declare the glories of God. Think about that. Let this created world share the glories of God. Let me just return to what we read about the shepherds. Uh, Remember, our creator God organized a heavenly choir to announce the birth of a savior to the world. Let's look at what we read. A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, let me just say this. If you ever experience uh, an angel or a a heavenly choir, um, I'll give you two pieces of advice. First, believe the angel, okay? Don't be afraid. And second, pull out your phone and take a picture of it, okay? Because you want to share it with with everybody. Now, listen, uh, while uh, sightings of angels declaring the glory of God seem to be rare today, there are other parts of creation that declare the truth of our creator God who sent us a savior. David, who wrote many of the Psalms, knew this. Listen to this, uh, what he wrote in Psalm 19. 
He writes, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words into the end of the world. I mean, think about this. When you woke up yesterday morning, the world in which you and I live was a brown, gray, bleak world covered with dead leaves. When you woke up this morning, it was a beautiful winter wonderland. You and I didn't do that. God did that. Regardless of how you feel about snow and ice, isn't it beautiful? Last week, there was a supermoon. If you got time to go out and see it, you saw the, the glories of heaven. You know, it, it's, it's amazing to me when we think about it. I mean, think about the intricate way in which our bodies are put together, that it's just the right combination of, of the elements, uh, just the right way that things are put together to keep us alive. Think of the beauty of nature and, and the intricate ways that God has put together the flora and the fauna, and, and just think about the unique things that we see. You know, even the most skeptical person can't argue against the fact that there was some intelligent designer involved in the creation. Now, we know that that intelligent designer is God Almighty. The heavens, the earth, they declare the glory. They reveal the good news. So when you and I see that, God's just given us a gift to say, wow, look at what God has done, to share that with other people, to acknowledge it in their presence. Don't forget to do that. The creation declares it. You know, we pass by it all the time, every day. Sometimes we're going so fast in life, sometimes we're so focused on other things that we miss the glory of what God is doing. So let the creation share the good news and acknowledge it and share it with other people. Here's the second thing that we need to do, and this really relates to the shepherds. Let others know that God keeps his promises. That's right. We have a promise-making and promise-keeping God. Now, in the scriptures, this is what the shepherds say. They say, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they do. They follow the, the, the angel's instructions and they go to Bethlehem. And they want to share what God has told them about. And so this is what we read in verse 17 and following. When they had seen him, Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And then it says in verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which is just as they had been told. They recognized that God had spoken to them through the angel and that God had kept his word, that what had been told them was just as God has said it would be. And, and God had kept his promises. But here's the reality. Those 
aren't the only promises that God keeps to his sons and daughters, to his kids. In fact, there were promises made hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Prophecies that were said that were fulfilled through the birth of Jesus. In fact, we know some of them that that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. That promise was fulfilled. That Jesus would be born to a virgin. That promise would be fulfilled, was fulfilled. That he would be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. That promise was fulfilled. And that's just a few of the promises in Scripture that God makes to us. God promises in Scripture that that he will never leave us and never forsake us, and he's kept that promise. He promises that he will be with us forever. Jesus made that promise before he ascended into heaven, and that promise is kept. He promised that he will give us forgiveness if we confess our sins, and that promise is kept. And literally, there are hundreds of other promises in Scripture that God has made and that he keeps to us. That's good news to us in a bad news world. That's good news that we need to share with others because it brings us joy and meaning and gives us hope in this world. If you know those promises, you need to share those promises with others because people need hope in a bad news world. Here's the third thing I want to share with you. Speaking of hope, let others know the hope that you have in Christ. Let others know the hope that you have in Christ. The Apostle Peter wrote these words, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. If we believe that God is omniscient, all-knowing, if we believe he's omnipotent, all-powerful, if we believe he's omnipresent everywhere, then God knows where you are in this world emotionally, physically, and spiritually. God knows the relationships that he's placed you in in this world. And he knows that as followers of Jesus that you know the hope that you've received. And so if God knows all this, could it just be that he's placed you in strategic relationships for you to share the hope that you have in Jesus? Relationships in your family. Look, I know those can be some of the most challenging relationships to share the hope that you have in But as sons and daughters, as followers of Jesus, that's what we're called to do. Have you considered that where you go to school, where you work, where you go for hobbies in life, or where you live in your neighborhood, that God has strategically placed you in places where you can build relationships, where you can share the hope that you have in Jesus? God has given you the opportunity to have influence in those relationships, to share with people the hope that you have so that you can help lead them to Christ. You know, every time you share about the hope that you have in Jesus, you're planting a seed, just like we did with the live nativity. You're planting a seed. Maybe you'll get to see that seed of faith come to to bloom and someone come to faith in Jesus Christ, or maybe that's just part of you. The apostle Paul writes about that. He says, some plant, some water, some harvest but we're all called to do our part. Because you have influence 
in people's lives. You have been given the opportunity to share. And because people know you and respect you and understand you, you and I are supposed to be prepared to share the hope that we have. So this is what I would tell you to do. You know, say to a friend, you know, I want to be prepared to share. So can I just share with you in a few brief moments the hope that I have in Jesus? And honestly, ask for them feedback. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if if it's unclear, you know, uh, try it again. Because we need to be people who are prepared to share that hope. And this time of year, there are opportunities far and wide to share that. But I want you to notice the last part of the verse where Peter says, you know, be prepared to share the hope. He says, but do it with gentleness and respect. The hope that you have in Jesus is not a weapon to win an argument with. The hope that you have in Jesus isn't something to be forced on others. The hope that you have in Jesus is a a message to be shared with love and compassion and gentleness and respect. Share it with people. When you sense there's an opportunity, quite simply you can say, hey, would you mind if I shared with you why I have hope? Look, it's a bad news world. And people want to know why you have hope. And let me be frank. Your hope isn't tied to governments or or to politics or to uh, cultural icons or to any human being. Your hope is tied to Jesus Christ. So you need to be prepared to share that. So ask, would you mind if I tell you why I have hope in this dark time? So let let me refer back to the movie Elf. You know, the the reason that Buddy believed uh, that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud to hear was because Buddy's identity, even though he was a human, was in being an elf. He understood and he embraced his elfness. And so he shared the best way to share Christmas cheer. The reason why you and I are supposed to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone, no matter how bad this world gets, is because our identity is in God. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe him and receive him, it says in the Gospel of John, then you receive the right to become children of God. You're a son, you're a daughter, most high you're one of God's kids and part of your identity is not keeping the good news of Jesus and and the fact that you've come into God's family a secret it's letting other people know it's letting them know no matter how dark this world gets I think about Pastor Frank Pomeroy and his wife Sherry if those names found familiar it's the pastor and wife of the First Baptist Church in Sutherland, Texas. You know the story. Somebody came in and killed a lot of people in their church, including their daughter. And I just recently read this week, a month after that tragedy, they shared that as pastor and wife who lost their daughter, that they still have 
in the midst of unfathomable darkness, they still have hope in the mission of Jesus Christ. It's my prayer that none of us ever experience a darkness like that. But it's also my encouragement that that if, if this son and daughter of God in the midst of great darkness can share the hope that they have in Jesus Christ, certainly we can. Certainly we can. So I want you to think right now of, of the person or the people that God has put in your circle of friends and family and neighbors and classmates and work peers, that, that God would have you share the hope that you have and that you would begin to pray for the opportunity, that you would be given eyes to see when the Holy Spirit says, hey, just say, would you like to know the reason I have hope in these difficult times? And then trust the Holy Spirit to give you the words because you've already prepared yourself to share the hope and trust the Holy Spirit to do that. So what I want to do is I want to enter into a time of prayer with you. I want to partner with you because I'm going to pray, but then I'm going to go silent. And that silent time is an opportunity for you to pray for the people who God has brought to mind right now. You know, this is my gut. God brought to mind some people to me. But I think that in my human mind, I'm limiting who that could be. And so I'm going to pray that God would open my mind and and your minds to hear from the Holy Spirit to to who all that could be. And then I'm going to pray for our strength and our boldness and our courage to share the hope that we have in Jesus when he gives us that opportunity. So would you pray with me? Creator God, the creation testifies to the hope that we have in you, all that you've done. You've reminded us of the shepherds who shared the hope that they have in Christ despite living in a dark world. And you've reminded us that we need to be prepared to share the hope that we have in Jesus. And Lord, we want to do that because our identity is in you. We're your sons and your daughters. And we understand that we've been saved by faith in Jesus. And we have that hope in this dark world. So Lord, right now, we're just going to lay before you the people that you put on our hearts and our minds and the ones that you're stretching us to share with. People that we may not consider the friends, but, but you've called us to share that with them. So Lord, here the names of those people right now. Father, you care about every name that we just prayed for. Every person, every name has a person, it belongs to a person and, and every person matters to you, to your heart. And so, Lord, we pray that you could use us, your sons and daughters, to bring more sons and daughters into your family. That we could plant a seed, uh, that we could water a seed, that that maybe even we get to see uh, that person cross the line of faith. Or to bring a, a wayward son or daughter back to you. 
whatever it is, Lord. We're your sons and daughters, and we, we say, have your way in our lives. Use us to share that message. And may your kingdom come, and may a revival start in our lives, in our homes, in our communities, in our state, in our nation, in this world. And may we, your sons and daughters, do what you call us to do, empowered by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of our Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.